Welcome back. That is my amazing jingle <laughs> to another episode of the Modern Man Podcast. I am your host, Coach Bad News, Fidel Bohill, and today I've got the rather amazing Elaine Godley joining me. I had the pleasure of being in uh, one of her Facebook groups for quite a while, and she very kindly invited me onto her uh, podcast and show very recently. We had some very interesting conversations. Um, Elaine is a master wellness coach and really interestingly enough most of her work is around mentoring uh, people around cancer so avoiding it and and recovering from it and uh, some of the stuff that I've, I've watched you do Elaine <laughs> um, on Facebook has been really 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 interesting and some of the stuff you share uh, around cancer is really interesting um, so I would like to welcome Elaine along to the modern man podcast and we're going to talk about a little bit more about men's health and um how we can avoid doing things and recovering from things and uh, stuff like that so elaine introduce yourself my dear how are you <laughs> thank you i'm fantastic as always Fidel. always fantastic uh, every day is a, is it's, it sounds really cheesy but it's, it's a real pleasure to wake up in the morning open the curtains to see to see what the day is uh, weather's going to be like and i know it's going to be a fantastic day gratitude is the key to happiness that is it for me i found yeah. it that's what it's all about I wake yeah. up every day grateful and you will be happy yeah so um how i didn't mean to be um, a cancer mentor but um because i've had four cancers myself four. Um, i've had four cancer four different types of cancers i've had more than four cancers but four different types of cancer um and because my dad died of cancer um, I've got a family, um, well, I've, I've got stories, you know, of, of cancer. So I keep trying to get away from it. Um, yeah. I've created a program which um, is called my Perfect 10 Wellness Program with the idea being not to get the, the darn thing in the first place. That's that Prevention is always better than a cure, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. But sadly, um, uh, human nature being what it is, a lot of people don't take any action until they get the thing and then it's stations yes so um i got sick and tired of saying the same thing again and again and again um but also um my frustration was that i was overwhelming people um i know what to do to to reverse cancer um if people t adopt the strategies in the right manner and soon enough um sadly there's a lot of late diagnosis that goes on um and people don't appreciate that cancer can take 10 20 years to manifest so uh, a lot of people think you get a cancer diagnosis, you, you do a few things within a few weeks, you're sorted. Or um, sadly for some people, they get a diagnosis uh, and a chap recently within 30 days died. So of course the family, friends, everybody, shock, horror, got this diagnosis. It must have been really quick, but it had been building for years and years and years. So my, my um, bias is to try and get wake people up, you know, don't wait till, 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 till the last minute. That's news to me, okay? So that's an interesting bit of information. I want to ex extrapolate a little bit then. You're saying that cancer can often take 10, 20 years to, to, to manifest itself. Yes. And so why then, is it because it has to be at a certain level before it can be diagnosed? Is that what we're missing? Or? Yes, yes. It's, it's a combination. Um, uh, some cancers are obvious, so if you have a lump or, or, or you know, you, you, you've got some real obvious symptoms like um, you're, you're, you're pooing blood or something like that. Um, so the obvious things are a lump that you feel, a pain that you feel, or there's something in, in your waterworks or your, or your poo that's, that's, that's obvious. That said, still people ignore those symptoms. They yes. do nothing about it. Um, I know a lady who had... Um, uh, problems with you know with the toilet department um, for two years before she did anything um, and then you know obviously had to had to dig herself out of a hole as it were um, but um, very often the doctors misdiagnose because some of the symptoms present themselves um, as piles for example so bowel cancer prostate cancer um, in that sort of area of our body uh, particularly for men uh, they can be hidden as, as other other things. 
so it's a question of you know pers persisting and being very thorough in the testing and, and and looking at your body and i know you've just used a woman as an example but I, uh, um i haven't got the statistics to hand which is very unprofessional of me um but men are traditionally and statistically proven to visit the doctor less and are less likely to seek help when um stuff appears like that um which is a problem let's so you just mentioned the, the sort of prostate cancer obviously is a biggie for us um we talk about it quite a lot in my men's club we do uh somebody pipes up every now and again to say that they they're off to have the finger up the bum um <laughs> sort of sort of thing and it becomes quite a good quite quite a good question and 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 usually quite an interactive thread of how many people have actually been and and, and get checked out um i'm gonna hold my hand up and say i haven't yet what's the you're looking at me like you want to tell me <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I don't think I don't think any words are needed here, Fidel. Just look at my face. Yeah. Okay, so like I'm 42. Am I in the danger zone? Like, is that is that is it, is it something to do with age? Um, it's not necessarily age. Um, right. Obviously, the older we are, the more likelihood we're going to get any kind of illness. Because, as I mentioned before, it can take you know five, ten, twenty years to 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 manifest. Right. Because it's a right. whole build up of eating the wrong things not exercising um worrying ourselves so our gut um hygiene is not good it's, it's oh, okay. so i'm good for, i'm good for all of those things i'm, I'm standing a good chance i'm liking that I'm, I'm very healthy and fit i don't stress out too much <laughs> and i wake up so, grateful every morning well there you go so so uh, on balance of probabilities um you know you may be okay but we can't assume anything we can't assume yeah. even when I, I meant I'm, I'm doing some training at the moment I'm training to be a biohacker which is very Ooh. exciting and it's about looking at the underlying biological systems within the body and looking at why we get ill in the first place so we have wonderful um, specialists we have various different health practitioners we have uh, medical specialists um, but they only concentrate in their one area of specialism. Why do we need to see all these different specialists in the first place? So um, I'm training with a guy in Australia who's just absolutely amazing and he's been doing this work for a number of years. And it's looking at the five key things why we get ill. Okay, far away. Which are um, our sugar levels, our blood pressure, I'm writing them down as I'm saying. I wasn't expecting to me, talk about this, but me too. But this is this is this is gold. Uh, yeah, sugar levels, blood pressure, blood I've pressure. Had both of these conversations uh, today. Um, your electrolytes oh, and that. Uh, uh, what else have we got? Blood sugar, uh, blood pressure, electrolytes. Um, your pH balance. Oh, interesting. Um, and something else, I'll remember it in a minute. Sugar, blood pressure, electrolytes, pH balance. Um, I can't remember what the other thing is at the right. moment. It'll, it'll, but, come, uh, it'll come to us. So, yes, like, yeah. weirdly enough, so I, I did a little bit of research, so thinking about the, 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 the things that affect um, men, men's health, and um, I came across like some quite interesting stuff, like one of which is, um, as we were just discussing, that more, more boys are born than girls. And the, the sort of question that whether or not that's that's to make up for the fact that we 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 die uh, more often and we we don't make it to the end as often as women do and the old statistic of women still outliving their husbands by five years which has been a pretty consistent gap and and stat for for a few generations now um, and then it turns out that sort of diabetes looking at the sugar sugar levels and the blood pressure and stuff like that diabetes is one of the biggest killers of of of, of men. One in 10 men suffer from it. And I can't believe the amount of my friends and people, obviously I spend a lot of time in the gym and it's one of those things that drive people into the gym. And it's one of those things that I've seen people, obviously the difference between type one and two are, 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 are pretty stark. Um, it's a shame they're called the same thing actually, because it mm. causes quite a bit of confusion. Um, and uh, in the gym, I, I see people cure themselves of type two diabetes all the time just with exercise and changing up their their diet um but 
the fact that it's 40% more likely to kill guys than women is an interesting bit of information for me. I'm trying to figure out why that may be. And I think, again, it's probably less likely to sort of take, take the action required, isn't it? Well, it, it could be to do with the lifestyle because um, uh, men typically would be working um, in environments where they, they're not necessarily looking after their health. They're perhaps eating on the hoof. Um, yeah. Although that applies yeah. to a lot of women these days, as today, does. of course. Yeah. But people, you know, lorry drivers, uh, people who drive for a living, um, they're, they're by default, unless they make an effort, they're not going to be doing exercise. They're going to be um, so 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 they're sedentary, even though they're not sitting at a desk. Um, as a result, you know, things tend to kind of congregate round round the middle. We used um, to call it gangsters' gut rot. So I, yes. I've been involved in sales all my life and spending loads of years up and down the motorways and stuff like that. And you get, you suddenly realize that, you know, you've just spent months eating. I mean, it's service stations have changed a lot these days now. Um, and the, the choice available in them is a lot better than it ever was. But it is a lot better, but it's still not good. I, I go there and I say, you know, what have you got that's healthy? And they look at me like I've got two heads. Well, it's not. And the other thing is you've still got to fight the willpower required. So the Marks and yeah. Spencers or the Waitrose or whatever is still at the back. And then, you know, the, 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 the healthy selection in those shops is still at the back. So you have to, after being in a miserable four-hour car park on the M5 or whatever, you still have to walk past the donuts. You still have to walk past the smell of the Burger King or the McDonald's. You still have to walk past all the sweets and the chocolate and everything else like that to get to the healthy thing. And as you probably know, you know, willpower is at its strongest when you're, when you're, you know, it's at its weakest when you're tired and you're hungry and you're sad and you're feeling down. Your willpower levels and your ability to, to sort of walk past that stuff. It's hard, man. It is. Um, you mentioned Gingster's gut rot. Um, yes. Well, it was first. Um, it was Other first pasties are available, noticed. by the way. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was. It was first noticed. Um, I can't remember. I want to say the 1930s. Maybe. Maybe that's not right. But it's it's many many years ago. Um, I was reading an article recently, and um, uh, they did a they did a, a, a like, um, they, they noticed they you know medical people noticed mm. that bus drivers. Um, and conductors. So I'm going back to my my granddad was a bus driver. Yeah. And yeah. they always had clippies, uh, conductors that were known as clippies. Yeah. The clippies would be up and down the stairs on the double decker bus, and they'd be you know talking to people walking on and off the bus and, and up and down the stairs and so on. Um, and they were a lot fitter and healthier. They had less time off work than the bus drivers. Um, and they they did a survey and they 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 noticed something that which they termed busman's stomach. Mm-hmm. So, you know similar to what you were saying the, the you know the the gut the the, 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 uh, the pie gut rot uh, yeah. I was going to say I've lost them as a sponsor now haven't I <laughs> yeah um, and then also you mentioned about diabetes um, diabetes when it was kind of um, made more popular shall we say which would have been a, sort of in the 70s mm. um, or pre-70s it was known as sugar diabetes because sugar is is a, a contributory factor to diabetes, whereas the other that di- so there was diabetes, um, which is where you're, the insulin and, and uh, the pancreas is not working properly. Right. But then right. um, the sugar diabetes was a kind of a new phenomenon. We didn't have sugar before the war. You know, there was just nothing nothing yeah. available. There were no sweets like we have them today, and so on and so forth. So this kind of phenomenon of sugar di- diabetes um, came about, and now it's just absolutely massive. Massive, massive, massive. So it's quite. So there are there are a few of these things that are on this list that are effectively modern kind of illnesses. Now, um, it was a few weeks ago where I started. I I, I don't know one of those kind of things. I think through sort of three o'clock in the morning thought, which was okay. So what's the history of of cancer? Because it feels like we're getting more and more of it. Whether like it's a fairly modern kind of illness or something like that and so I started just did a little cursory sort of read through and a bit of a google about the kind of the history of cancer and obviously it has been around for a long time various different kinds the discovery of it because it's a molecular level isn't it cancer it was very difficult to diagnose it and see that that's what was causing the deaths it was quite interesting to read 
you know, back in sort of Victorian time, the olden days were the, the work that was done in order for people to, when they first discovered it and gave it a name and, and realised how it was spreading and the science behind it and stuff like that. But is it on the increase? Is that, that's, that's the question, I guess. Right. Um, well, it's, it's indisputable. You've only got to look at the Cancer Research UK statistics. They're, they're predicting that by 2020, which is now only next year, they reckon that one in two people will have cancer. Shit. You've only got to look around you. Um, we will all know somebody that's had cancer or that has currently got cancer, and they're predicting one in two. And yes, you're absolutely right. It is a, a modern type of thing, like the, 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 the sugar diabetes, diabetes 2 is. And it's to do with lifestyle, um, simple as that. Our lifestyle, unless it's in balance, we will get these conditions. Unless we make an effort, unless we listen to our body, take action, we will get ill. It's, 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 the toxins are all around us, the, the temptations all around us to eat poorly. Um, you know, there, there's so many contributing factors, but it's, it's predominantly since the war all this has happened. And, and that's, those, those, that's the link, isn't it, really? The two things that have happened which are linked with our increasing weight as a, as a, as a half of the globe. So we say, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> worse than half of the globe and it's catching up in every, in, in other parts as well, really, really quickly. And the, the two, the two things are the, 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 the calories and the type of food that we're in, that we're taking in the processed food. Let's, let's look at that way, which is fat, sugars, salts. Um, a lot more of those are going into our bodies. And the second thing is we're just, we're generally removing less, aren't we? We're doing less manual work where, you know, we, everything is made easier for us. We have to go outside of our houses less and less and less. When we do, we're on cars, scooters, roller skates, electric thingy. Um, you, you know, yourself, young man. I mean, I don't have any of those things. I'm just saying generally as a, as a, as a yeah. population, there are just more and more modes of transport that require us to, to move less. Things are closer. Things are easier. Amazon Prime delivering everything to your house the next, the next day. The mm. You know, it's all just there. We don't have to do anything anymore. And those are the two, and they they almost double up on each other, don't they, to cause a, to cause problems. So on this list of the the sort of top five killers of, of of men, the top five health issues, you know, we've got heart disease, we've got uh, the two cancers, the two main cancers that get guys with prostate and skin cancer. Uh, we've got diabetes, um, and then the other two, which we'll cover a bit later, I, I do want to talk about them, um, which is the one headline grabber at the moment which is men's mental health and suicide um a big uh sort of footnote under that is loneliness which was really mm -hmm. interesting loneliness being being one of the main drivers for, for both of those issues for men um and then addiction which we are way more prone to um and that fits into the whole food and, and easy you know we're talking cigarettes alcohol um as well that, that, that kind of cause all of that and drugs so talk to me about your, your thoughts and, and, and what you think are the biggest contributors to, the, to, to, this, to these epidemics, the, the, particularly the cancer and the diabetes. Um, well, as I said, the, 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 the huge thing really where we, where we kind of drew, drew a line in the sand is, is the war because pre-war yeah. we yeah. didn't have the foods. We didn't, there was, processed foods weren't invented, canned food was, but there was no processed food like we have it today. And yeah. um, shopping, we used to go, I remember my mum sending my brother and I to the shops and Sainsbury's, other supermarkets are available. <laughs> uh, we'd go to the uh, different counters, we'd go to the meat counter and we'd go to the cheese and one of us would go to the bread and... We'd all go to all these different places. We had proper shops that sold proper things and it was all natural. Every single thing was pretty, pretty fresh. Now we have, um, we have to look for these fresh things and they don't just kind of fall in our lap anymore. We didn't have, but there was no obesity. During the war, there was uh, rationing. So people weren't able to get fat because they didn't eat enough. We eat far too much now. It's gluttonous, the amount of food that we eat. In way, way, way back, it was a sign of wealth. Yes, yes, because it was a sign of um, you know being able to sit around the fact that you could afford. Um, in fact, in uh, Woolerton, in uh, Nottingham, Woolerton Hall, which is where they filmed um, the Batman, it was, it was the Batman uh, Wayne Manor. Yeah. Um, I did a tour recently, and we went in the kitchens underneath the Manor House, and um, they were saying the same thing that the the um, the, the rich. Ate 
um, you know, rich foods and so on and so forth and, and, and got larger. Whereas the kitchen staff, they ate all of the, um, the same food, but kind of in more of a raw state. Whereas the, um, the posh people had more kind of richer foods. The rich foods. The kitchen <laughs> staff ate, you know, raw state, natural. They were working, physically working, and they were fit and healthy. And now it's flipped, isn't it? Yes. The obesity, the the the, the people being overweight, the, the unhealth, the, the cancer and everything else like that, and the diabetes actually now is affecting people on lower incomes. And the wealthier you are, actually, the healthier you are. And that's been proven time and time again. I've read some other statistics. And they were looking at the different parts of the country um, and longevity um, and, and use of health facilities and NHS and everything else like that. And it's just really interesting looking at the spot marks of the um on on the map there of where you know the and the correlation between poverty and bad health and those specific illnesses the bad health you're right yeah and and it has literally turned on its head so today you've got poorer people um with with, with the people on the lower incomes they can't afford to buy the top quality foods so they're buying cheaper foods processed foods which is full of nasty things that we shouldn't be eating many of which we can't even pronounce on the labels so they're eating low quality foods and they're not being um they're not getting the right nutrition so they might be overweight but they're actually undernourished so the nourishment um in the food that they're eating is minuscule and then if they use a microwave uh for example to heat food they may as well eat the cardboard box quite frankly because there's no nutritional value in things that have been microwaved I discovered microwave bacon. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. My worst enemy. Uh, no, right? I, I felt especially good. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I would. My diet is very, very good. I, I eat well. I'm very aware of it. I, um, I tell you where I've really noticed the difficulty though. Actually, is with my kids, and and the like the battle. Even as someone like me who knows I'm aware, my cultural background and my half Jamaican. Um, I'm Brazilian and and like you know my mum always fed me well taught me how to cook at a very young age I trained as a chef when I was um, 16 straight out of school I enjoy cooking I enjoy eating proper fresh food I'm very passionate about food I do eat the old bit of junk do you know what I mean but I'm, on balance it's 70 80 percent I eat real normal normal food um but tr- it has been a lifelong battle and still is with my children to do this to do the same actually as they get older my stepdaughter now is is it's worked you know while they were kids it was difficult but being relentless about it uh, my stepdaughter now cooks a lot for herself um and is a lot more interested in food now that she's now that she's an adult and and kind of understands that sort of stuff um so i'm hoping it, it happens with the other two as well but it's a constant battle isn't it it's, it's we're not this isn't easy for us no, and as you say, there's so many temptations, and also cost comes into it quite quite considerably. It um, but it's the eighty twenty rule. Absolutely, we you know we can't get anal about this. We can't just you know get worried that the slightest thing we put in our mouth is going to poison us. So we've got yeah. to, we've got a living yeah. balance. So eighty twenty is is fine. Um, I'm probably more like ninety ten, but I'm still um, I'm still not a saint by any means. Yeah. Um, but um, but you know with, with the organic. Um, you know, the, the organic foods are more expensive. They are. Um, well, far better for us. A lot of people are growing their own now, but I, I don't have the time or the inclination to grow. So um, but organic it's is important, well, yeah. Organic is very important um, because it's not necessarily more, um, there's not necessarily more nutrition as such in the organic food, um, but the benefit is you're not eating the pesticides, glyphosates, etc., and all the, all the chemicals. So by default, um, I've, I've yet to see an article or, or a research study that says it's more nutritious. Most of the articles I've seen don't prove more nutrition one way or the other. But what, what they do demonstrate is the chemical aspect. And to me, that is huge because the chemicals are you know, contributory factor to cancers. OK. And what are the other contributory factors for you? Um, for, for, for cancer generally? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's poor diet, um, it's worrying over the slightest thing. So if you're a worry guts type of person, you will 
bring ill health on. It doesn't have to be cancer. It can be uh, a variety of different health um, issues. Every now and then there'll be uh, articles about the walk-ins at the National Health Service and, and you know, the accident and emergency. And oh. something like 75% of the walk-ins shouldn't be there. Um, a lot of them, they are symptoms, uh, they're suffering the symptoms of stress, which is self-induced. And with the, with the gut issues, so eating poor food is, is a start. A lot of people have um, uh, palpitations, heartburn, this type of thing. And it's, it's all down to the food that we eat and the way we eat it and the fact that, that a, a lot of the, the um, British population are, are warriors. So they're, they're, they're literally worrying themselves into, into ill health without realising what they're doing. That's interesting. <laughs> So, like, I'm I'm a big advocate, uh, both in my club and and the work we do with the with the community interest company, the, the Modern Man Club, and seem to be the Modern Woman Club as well. And like, obviously, I I do talk about mental health and and the suicide factor, but a bit like yourself, the where I come in is I'm all about the prevention. So I'm all about showing people how to live in a way that where they don't get there in the first place. Um, which is a little less sexy and it's a little less headline grabby than being suicide preventative and everything else like that. Like people prefer to wait until they get to that place um, before they want to take the action. Um, But a part of that is uh, exercise. Do you know what I mean? Just moving more on training, which releases stress. It's one of the biggest things for me that, that um, whenever I feel like things are getting on top of me, getting out, running, training, exercise really relieves a lot of that for me. And again, I, I guess reducing worry is, is good for your mental health. I didn't, I, I didn't realize the impact on your physical health. I did an interview with a guy a while ago talking, he's, he's, um, was sort of specializing. This leads on to prostate cancer actually. Um, and he was so I ended up in hospital once with a panic attack due to the stress and the worry that I was going on in my life at that time about three years ago and that's what led to me changing into this line of work um so it's a combination of stress and worry building up inside and when I when I spoke to him about he was talking about the link between um sort of stress and the physical impact of it um, in particular with men and he was talking about the link to prostate cancer and how that is almost directly linked to stress and worry um, and what he was talking about was that there's and, and I've since been and researched it as well is that um, it hits us at an age where we where we get into sort of um, over the hill uh, we get towards the end of our careers and we start to worry about being overtaken by the younger men who come into our workplace and into our business arenas um, and everything else like that and there's this stress that we're going to be usurped um and and overthrown um by by the younger guys in in our workplace and it's a an underlying thing that's going on in our unconscious mind um and the the general workplace the the bit that gets triggered the fight or flight um uh elements in your body that get triggered through stress you can't run away from it because it's paperwork and you can't run out of the office every time someone gives you another case um or whatever another client phones you up but in in, biologically there are still those triggers going on that make you want to run away um or have a fight so they're triggering all this stuff um which for men happens around the prostate area and these chemicals after years and years and years of being triggered particularly when you get to sort of late middle age um that's what's causing the problem for guys with the, in the prostate area yeah and um prostate cancer typically is hormone driven and um when you're stressed yeah. your hormones are all over the place yep. so you're, you're absolutely right and the same with women with breast cancer uh, uh breast cancer and prostate cancer it's a similar kind of um they're not all hormone driven but most of them the, the, the sort of um, more common ones are hormone driven and um, it, it is, as you say, it's, you know, stress is a huge, huge factor in, in cancers and, and all kinds of illnesses, but cancers in particular. And so what, okay, so what are we going to do then to try and um, get people to live in a, in a, in a better way to, to, to prevent this stuff? Well, I think the education in school needs to, uh, 
to uh, step up a bit more than it is. Um, my eldest grandson is currently in training to become a chef. He's doing a, an apprenticeship. And uh, I took him to work the other day and we were talking about food. And I was saying um, there was a, a load of cows in the field. And he pointed out that these cows um, provide the milk for McDonald's banana milkshakes. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, I wonder if they're organic. And um, he said, what's organic? So this is, this. he's been through school, he's training as a chef, and he didn't know what organic is. I, I, I could have, well, could have cried really. I just amazed. And it's not his fault, but if the education isn't there, you know, so I'm... Um, that, that, it is, yeah. Yeah. So um, I think the education piece needs to be improved somehow or another. And... Um, my perfect 10 wellness program talks about balance and and one of the things in there there's a there's a obviously there's 10 areas hence the name but one of them is um body and and the nutrition that we put in our body is really really important but there's so many aspects to it i could do a whole module on on, on food but where do you start where do you stop so my my approach is let's look at the balance in our lives so let's look at um the environment we're living in um, whether we're at home, whether we're at work, our friends, our family, values, attitudes, beliefs, behaviours, um, our minds and our body, all of those aspects, um, if they're in balance, then we're unlikely to be getting ill. So rather than just bang on about, oh, we need to eat better and so on and so forth, that's, that's, a, that's a tiny bit of the, the picture, really. It's about the whole life balance that's really important. And that also then includes what you were saying about loneliness and addiction and, and um, depression and all that kind of stuff so if you've got if you've got um, a good family around you if you've got good friends around you then you you have a support network who um, if they are true friends and and you know you've got a, a good decent family we don't all have but if you do then we've got a support mechanism there that we can turn to you know to ask for help when we need it this is a conversation that's been popping up a lot for me lately actually is a, is a really interesting we're going to get slightly off topic but i guess not because you just you put it in it, it, like I, I found myself saying this several times about the rise of kind of like individualism and the effect that this is having on us as a sort of society like human beings are innately community driven we're community animals aren't we we're meant to live in little groups and um and be sort of supportive and share our stuff. That's kind of like where we are naturally, biologically underlying. That's kind of what makes us happy. Okay. Even the so-called introverts, um, not so-called, I mean, it's, it's a thing. Um, but, but even introverted people still need to be part of um, their, their little tribes and, and, and packs and lots of our behaviors are around that. Yet so much of the language out there, even driven uh, from people in both of our line of work um, uh, is focused on the self and about being um, enriching ourselves and being who we are and understanding ourself and, um, and, 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 and focusing on our happiness and everything else like that. It's very in, inward focused, I think, and we lose track. And actually, if you track where people are at their most happy, happiest, um, I watched a documentary about, um, they, were they looked at Japan and they were looking at, I can't remember the word, they've even got a word now where people, um, 30 and 40 year old men are just dropping dead at work. They're just, they're literally working themselves to death. And they live in a very individualistic kind of uh, lifestyle. And yet the, the happiest place in the world is um, the little island in um I can't remember the name. I'm having a bad day at this. Thing. Little island just off, off Japan where they are completely community focused. Mm -hmm. Everybody absolutely lives for the community. They have community gardens, the way that they bring the kids up, the little old ladies um, and, and the old guys. Once they get to a certain age, they go and live. Um, they, 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 they do, they're all around in the school and they're helping with the children. Um, and the, the one community goes and visits the other community on a monthly basis. They're next door neighbours of the little villages. Um, and, and these people live the longest this is the, the, in the entire world. Like, and they, they sort of tracked where people live the longest and are the happiest. Um, and they're all very community-driven populations. Well, what you've just described, Fidel, um, is how I was brought up and that it was called village life. 
yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And they say, you know, it takes a whole community to raise a child. We didn't have any of this um, nonsense where, you know, children were giving us back chat and all the rest. We, we didn't. No way, Jose. You know, the policeman would you know, clock, you around the, clock you around the head, physically give you a clump. Um, yeah. And even other parents in the street, if you were playing out or across the fields or wherever you were and you, you back chatted or if you were if you were rude or anything at all, you'd, you'd get a, a clump and you'd certainly get, you know, taken home by, you know, dragged by your ear and um, you'd not only get told off for whatever the thing was you'd done, um, but you'd also get told off, for, you know, for the police or, you know, the embarrassment of having a, a community member bring you home. For sure. I mean, and this was, this was what the first conversation. There was a guy in my men's group that was saying that, um, that his, the village that he'd just moved from was having some problems with a couple of youths. They'd gone out and they were like setting a few fires and they were like putting things in the road, puncturing tires and doing all of this. And like, like, how do you manage that as a community? You remembered it happening 10, 15 years ago and a couple of the, the men from the community went and had a, had a word in their ear sort of thing. Nothing violent, no threats or anything else like that. But they went and told them and the problem stopped. Um, and this doesn't seem to be happening this time. And how like how we've we've kind of like escaped from from the ability to do that. And there's an now there's a level of fear of of whether you're allowed to do it and whether you're going to get in trouble for, for for doing it. And it's just made me really reflect reflect on on this. Um, another conversation I was having today was about tax and how everybody was more prepared to to sort of move out of the country um rather you know at the, at the to, to prevent themselves from paying more tax and i was like i think that that's just another symptom of the same mindset where everybody is just so focused on themselves listen it's it's more it's not as black and white as that but i think it's a symptom where everybody we're, we're thinking less and less about how we fit into a community and what our part in the community is and then you look at the people who i know that are more fulfilled and happy and they're all completely they're, they're the selfless people right Mm. they're the people that embed themselves into their community and, and spend their time working and, and being around everybody and talking and helping. And uh, like my mum, for instance, you know, my mum's still out. She's 76 now. Um, she just won a community award. She's down at the local um, community gardens and, and growing all of this stuff and, and helping people. And she's just really ingrained. And I look at her sort of happiness levels um, and even her health, with her health, she should have been long gone, if I'm honest with you, the state of her health. But her, her sort of, the way she keeps going and the way she's, I, I think her, her lifestyle, not just her fitness and, and, and what she eats, but being so um, plugged into the local community is definitely part of what's keeping her going, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The positive, positive mental attitude that you, you referred to with your mum, that is huge in overcoming all kinds of illnesses. Um, when so for example I, I was given a year to live four years ago with stage four cancer yeah it never yeah. entered my head that i was going to die no way jose i've got far more mischief to get up to <laughs> before i pop my clogs no one's telling me when i'm going to go um and so it's, it's about resilience you know having the mindset that you that you can get through things you know you're, you're a strong person not everybody can do that um and, and everybody's vulnerable i'm not you know perfect by any means but um if you if you have a strong immune system and a strong mind um you're unlikely to get ill and if you do get ill then the likelihood is you will recover a lot quicker than people who are um not quite so resilient so we hear these stories and then the the kind of the comeback to it almost i hear a lot is that it's kind of like a dangerous thing to say to people that you can recover from cancer with a positive mindset and sort of eating your you know changing your diet and stuff like that and actually, people do need these um, uh, chemotherapy and another and another sort of therapies to to help them get better. And that sometimes when we talk about this other stuff, we're going to stop people from from doing this. What's your take well, on? Well, well, um, that's that's um, kind of a black and white view. But life isn't black and white, as we know. Agreed. And um, I've, nobody in their right mind would say don't do what the doctors say, do something else. No, you know, nobody at all would, would, would in their Lots right mind do that. I've, I've seen it and heard it though, by the way. <laughs> right. Well, um, they're, they're, they're idiots if they're, if they're doing that. Let's, okay, let's look at the integrative, you know, approach. Let's look at the, you know, again, the balance, 80-20 rule, whatever. But it has to be what's right for you as an individual. So um, look at your situation, look at the prognosis, look at the diagnosis, etc. cetera, um, diagnosis versus prognosis. Um, and, and take the best of the National Health Service, take the best of 
complementary, you know, fuse them together. You know, you can make your own personal prescription. Um, but to say one or the other, it, it's not either or. It's to me, it's integrative. It's 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 um, uh, it's complementary. Whereas what some people um, are talking about is alternative. So if you're doing something that's natural, that's alternative to mainstream medicine, um, I think I think that's a very silly approach in my personal view because um, we all need a bit of help. Our, our bodies need need um, need help along the way, and, and with medical advances, you know, they can do all sorts of things today that, that they weren't able to do years ago. So why would we why would we shun it? I agree. <laughs> We've done this a little bit topsy turvy, but I actually can can you give us like. A, a, a snapshot of your story so obviously you said you've had you've had four cancers what do you think led led to that and then and what do you think were the important parts of you sort of overcoming it okay um mindful that the fact that we don't have long um i i, I had um, i first had breast cancer in 2009 yep. and um i was diagnosed with something called dcis which is ductal cancer in situ it's actually not real cancer, um, but it's very widely um, diagnosed. And in fact, last week I met a lady who had exactly the same diagnosis as me, high grade DCIS. She had an eight millimeter um, uh, lump, if you like. Um, it wasn't a lump because we didn't actually feel anything, but um, on the on the mammogram it showed up. And um, yeah. even in, even in the same breast. And I've never met in all these years anybody with exactly the same diagnosis as me. Things have not changed. I was rushed into surgery as she is being rushed into surgery. And um, nothing seems to have advanced over the last 10 years. I had um, a health insurance. When I went to claim on it, they told me I did, it was the wrong type of cancer. And knowing what I know now, I would not have had surgery. But that's another story. So I, I started off in 2009 with high-grade DCIS. I had been working absolutely mental hours, um, but because I enjoy what I do, I, I tend to blur the lines between working and playing because my whole life yeah. is, is a playground, basically. Um, but my um, intellectually, I was um, kind of uh, not excusing, justifying, justifying the hours I was working, I'd, I'd be working sometimes till two, three o'clock in the morning for clients. Um, I was a business consultant at that time. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be um, doing turnarounds and team um, reorganizational uh, transformational projects and that kind of thing with, with big teams. So um, I absolutely love that. So I'd be working till sometimes two, three o'clock in the morning, getting up at six and doing it all again. Madness. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed it so much. It, it didn't feel like work. So intellectually, I'm there, but my body, over a period of time, you know, gradually said, no, you know, you're not doing this anymore. And the only way we can stop you is by bringing you down with something, which was this, uh, this shock. So I had surgery. Um, I did, I'd had a few drugs, but then I took myself off because I wasn't happy with them. And then everything was okay for about 18 months. And then intuitively, this is another big one as well, following your intuition. Intuitively, I felt something was wrong. No lumps, no pain, no symptoms, no nothing, you know, getting on with my life. Um, but I, I asked them to check me out and found that I had a grade three tumour in the site of my mastectomy. So I'd had my right breast removed. Um, it was reconstructed using muscle, tissue, skin, uh, etc. from my stomach. So I had a tummy tuck, effectively, which formed a new breast. So how come, how could I possibly have a grade three tumour in my site of my mastectomy when my breast came from my stomach go figure they couldn't explain it and i was under john radcliffe at um at, uh, wherever it was oxford but so that was in 2011 and 2012 at the beginning i had a bit of um i had radiotherapy they wanted me to have chemo and i said no but i did have, accept radiotherapy again i was sort of bullied into it and i didn't know you know any different then so again i'm going back now since seven years um but that radiotherapy recently um, caused me to have a fractured spine, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, so I had, um, so I had the, the mastectomy, the reconstruction. I had the grade three tumour. And then um, for many uh, instances, I had lots of mumps, um, uh, bumps and lumps coming up. Uh, fast forward July 2015, I was um, 
diagnosed with grade four Hodgkin's lymphoma. And there is a link between breast cancer and Hodgkin's lymphoma, but it's, it's an unofficial sort of link. It's, it's the sort of thing that we all know about, but there's no kind of records or you know, yeah. studies. Or anything. And it often happens the other way around. But in my case, it was, it was this way. Um, and then in the last 18 months, I've had five episodes of skin cancer, which I've dealt with naturally on my face. Um, so each of the cancers I've had, I've, I've dealt with differently according to what I've known at the time. Um, but all of them, the, the, the very beginning was overworking, burnout. Um, it was also that there's a result of um, a long term uh, candida in my gut because I was on antibiotics. I'd been on them for 23 years for a kidney condition I was born with. I cured that myself 20 years ago using diet, lifestyle, chiropractic, etc. Um, and I was told I'd be on antibiotics for life. Well, as I say, 20 years ago, I woke up to natural health. That was my first sort of uh, induction um, into a, in the new arena. So um, the fact that long-term antibiotics causes candida, and that is a contributory factor to, to cancer. Uh, so the overworking as well. Um, I've had quite a lot of stress on and off. Um, I've got a book coming out um, later on this year, uh, Perfect Health, Two Life Stories. Uh, volume one and we've got I've, I'm, I'm, I talk a bit about it in there in my chapter um, but then also I was a competitive swimmer and um, I used to train twice a day in a chlorinated pool heavily chlorinated pool so again the toxins from there so if you add all of that recipe together um, the stress the toxic chemicals the antibiotics the overworking it's a complete recipe you know for, for, for cancer So no wonder you wake up every morning, glad. <laughs> yes, I wake up every morning and I, as I said, I literally, um, I, I have a smile on my face, I open the curtains and whatever the weather is, I welcome it. It doesn't matter. I'm sitting here now in my cabin in the garden. It's absolutely chucking it down with rain, but how wonderful for the plants, you know, and I can virtually see my grass growing here. It's, 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 it's growing in front of my eyes with this, with this rain. <laughs> you do sound like my mum. <laughs> Good for the garden. <laughs> well uh, i believe i've got a few words in that book that's coming out um yes you have yes yeah what does perfect health mean to you i was looking at it again this morning yeah we're, we're almost there on the final version now we're just tweaking tinsy wincy little things now i'm really proud of it it's fabulous i'm looking forward to reading it uh, yeah interestingly enough i mean it it's my 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 few words were talking about almost the the instinctual part um and sort of as as a hypnotherapist and an nlp master my my thing is is, is your unconscious mind knows it knows it's had a blueprint of your body in in perfect health it knows what what that is so we know we know when we're eating right and, and badly, which is why I don't think, well, you're living an unhealthy lifestyle because I was this guy and it's controversial to say it, but I think while you're leading an unhealthy lifestyle, it's very, very difficult to be happy because underneath, you know that you're not healthy. And when you start putting the right food into your body, when you start training and exercising and, 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 and building your body and doing the right things, you, you will be happier because your unconscious mind and your instincts and everything else like that are, are, have less, less to worry about. And they're like, okay, he's doing the right things. Um, and you just exactly. see it time and time again, people's mood yeah. completely shifts. And do you know that, you know, the, 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 I was the fat guy that my dad always, I had this conversation with my dad as well. And, um, like it was a period in my life where I completely over ate and I over drank and everything else like that in Spain. Um, they call it a curva de felicidades over there, the curve of happy days. So that, that sign of wealth that you were doing really well, that's what, that's what your, your barriga is, your, your, your stomach, um, is, is this curve of, of, of happy days. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm enjoying my life. Look at me, you know, this is the, this is the thing. But on reflection now, I know that in the back of my mind, I wasn't, I wasn't happy. Yeah, and your, and your unconscious mind is driving you to do different behavior really it is yeah and, and it's about balance nobody heals us he, he people call themselves healers doctors aren't healers we can't even heal ourselves. our body will heal itself we just For need sure. to listen to it and give it the right environment and it will heal itself agreed what a lovely note i think we're going to wrap it up there but it's a good point isn't it we know 
And this is the thing about coaching in general, isn't it? Really, people know what 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 they need. It's about extracting that out and facilitating it, isn't it? So I guess that's what you're doing now in in yeah. your in your perfect ten. People do know, and we 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 all know what we should be doing. Um, we've just got to pay a little bit more attention to, to to ourselves, haven't we? We have indeed, absolutely. We should listen to ourselves. We'll get out of our own way. Yes. Thank you very much, Elaine. That was an amazing and interesting conversation. I'm so proud of this podcast sometimes. We get people on here and um, there are real little nuggets and that was absolutely um, one of them. I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to listening back to this and making some more notes on it myself. And paying a, I'm going to up my, I'm going to up you on my list of uh, priority readings and, and stuff like that in my social medias because uh, it's something I need to learn about. And it's definitely something I, I want to talk to my clients about, about a bit more because I absolutely, my sort of three pillars are health, wealth and relationships and the health side things for me comes first. And that's where, where we start with everything is, is increasing the habits and the, and the lifestyle around, around your health because only then the other stuff comes afterwards. So you, you've got to sort yourself out first. Um, and then you can start take, taking away some of the stress from having bad financial management. And then you can take yourself fully into your relationships. That's kind of like my sort of philosophy. So the more I can learn um, about this stuff, the better. So thank you very much, Elaine. Give us, uh, just tell us how people can, can um, uh, raise you up on their level of awareness and in their social media um, and in their life. How can they find you? How can they follow you? How can they, uh, get more information about what you're doing okay so i'm on um the internet of course perfect-health.co.uk my facebook group um we have nearly three thousand people in is oh, uh, a group which you're on that yes Fidel. um it's called perfect health with elaine godley um i have a radio show called uh, perfect health on elastic fm with elaine godley um I'm on Instagram and Twitter and, and all the usual bits and bobs. And uh, basically, if all that fails, then then just Google me, Google Elaine Godley, and there'll be all sorts come up. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Elaine. Um, and thank you very much, listeners. This has been another uh, golden nugget of a podcast for me. Um, if you want to be involved with the Modern Man, the best place to get in touch with us is the Modern Man Club, our men-only Facebook community, um, and our website, modernman.org.uk. We're getting places with our um, uh, Modern Man Club program. It's slowly coming to life, and we're working with gym owners and personal trainers to run Modern Man Club sessions. So if you're one of those guys, a, a gym owner or a personal trainer, and you want to... Um, get involved with us and start running modern man club sessions which involve looking at uh health aspects and combining that with some uh providing a safe space for men to to talk about their mental health as well just get in touch fidel at modernman.org.uk thank you once again elaine for joining us thank you everybody for listening and we will see you again next monday